You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Well, I hope you had a great time in worship this morning and um, and your house, and I hope you were able to enjoy the time of communion there together with your family. And I know that is uh, definitely an interesting time right now for all of us. Uh, a couple of things I want to share with you. I think that all of us can agree that right now things are not normal. I think that's a Captain Obvious remark. But nonetheless, uh, we wanted to try to create as much community for you as possible. I'm going to share a message here in a moment, but I wanted to share a couple of thoughts with you today before I did. Um, so in order to do that, that's why we've asked you kind of online there to make comments uh, connect with one another. It's a great time. Many of you are online right now uh, with your church family. And so you can let them know. Just talk to them. Share with them. Those kinds of things there. Just say hello. Uh, I said hello to Andy a while ago before everything kind of got real busy in here. But uh, just to all of you, man, we love you guys. We're praying for you. And uh, we miss you tremendously. I'll tell you right now, I've preached three weeks in this building empty except for our elders. A few of our elders are here. And we're social distancing and everything. You saw this morning, we even social distanced the communion cups from us. You know what I mean? It's like, but this is not, this is not normal. This is not the way church is supposed to be. And I can tell you for a fact, I think that all of us can agree that as great as an online church could be for some occasions, it is not my preference. I would prefer to have a congregation of people worshiping God and uh, giving praise to God together. That is my preference, and that is what I am looking forward to. But uh, listen, we do miss you guys, and we would ask that you to uh, subscribe, like, post, and share these things with your friends. Share them with the friends you go to church with. Let them know uh, so, man, you can connect with them. And this is a great opportunity right now to connect with your church family. Uh, one of the things we're going to do to try to help create some of this um, <clears throat> connection in our church, because since we can't gather on Sundays, is this week uh, you're going to be getting a call from a group of volunteer pastors There'll be men who call men and ladies who call ladies. And what we're doing this week is we're trying to make connections in our church. So every one of you, uh, as long as you're in our church database, now, now listen, i be real honest with you right now. If, if you go to our church, but we have no record of you ever attending, and that means registration or anything like that, and we don't have any records, we don't have your information. Now, if you would like a call from one of our pastors, then please, on the con- comment section down there, there's an area down in there, some links or something on one of the pages that will tell you how to do that, and you can give us your information. You can go to our website, cornerstonerome.com, and you can fill out the information there, and we will contact you. What we're trying to do right now is just reach out, see how you are, see how you're doing. Is there anything we can do for you? Um, how's your family? Anything you need prayer for? But you're going to get a call this week from volunteer pastors, and so, man, we just want to love on you and just see how you're doing. So I want to let you know about that. Um, I wanted to also give you an update. I've got a couple of things going on. So I've talked to um, a couple of our missionaries, one, uh, he's posted a couple things online. One, I know was okay because he was, he was preaching, uh, let's see, at midnight, it's 12 hours difference. So yeah, he was preaching at midnight when it was 12 noon here. But anyway, in Thailand, he's okay. Um, they're hiding out as well, kind of hunkered down in the, in the homes and where they live. But I want you to pray for our missionaries, uh, lift them up. I talked to one and I encouraged him of this. Listen, man, no matter what happens over here, uh, we're going to continue to support you. You've got our support financially. I don't want our missionaries worried about whether or not they're going to be able to do missions work overseas. So I just reassured him, man, don't be afraid. We're going to take care of you guys and make sure you're doing well. But um, I want to encourage you to pray for our missionaries and then pray for those who have been affected by this virus. Uh, there's a m- many people in our town, both of our hospitals, and um, so we want to lift them up. 
just keep praying for them. If it hasn't affected your family, I bet you know somebody's family it has. And I saw some people online posting that uh, some of their family members and things. We want to pray for them. Keep praying for them and keep lifting them up into prayer. Uh, many of you are asking this, how can I help? What can I do? It's very difficult right now because of social distancing. Uh, it's kind of difficult to do much when you're kind of quarantined in your home, in a sense. I guess self, not really quarantined, you're more uh, sheltered in place. That's the new word, I think, that we're all using. It was social distancing, now we're sheltered in place. But it's very difficult to do much, but there are some things you can do. Uh, you can pray, First of all, and then some of our folks in our church, uh, Carolyn Majestic started doing this. She started making masks. My grandmom is now helping her uh, surely make some masks as well. Maybe you can sew. You can start making some masks um, in case they do run low. That would be a great help for nurses. We're trying to work some things behind the scenes that we're working with uh, some of the hospitals on. We'll let you know more about that as, if it takes place. But uh, right now, the biggest thing we can do is pray. That's the biggest thing that we can do as a church body. So one last thing I'll say about that as far as prayer goes. Um, Many of you are planning on going tonight to pray at different hospitals. That's awesome if you do that. I just ask that um, you really check the rules on this and make sure you understand what they're asking you to do. Um, understand that as a hospital, they have a lot going on, and it's, an, it's a very busy place. And so if you do go, just watch the rules, see what they say, and be respectful of that. And just, um, man, if you can't make it, if the lot's full, man, park somewhere else and pray. Turn the radio on. You can pray at home. You can pray in a parking lot. You can pray in the church parking lot. I don't care. Just keep the distance that everybody says, you know, don't, don't, don't get close right now. Um, so today I want to share a message with you entitled, Prepare for Passover. If you caught the pre-service uh, tech check there, uh, you probably already know what we're going to cover today. But we're going to cover a message called Preparing for Passover. And uh, I got kind of this idea um, as I was reading the Bible and I was looking up some things and, and kind of disappointed the fact that Palm Sunday's coming up. We probably won't be able to have Palm Sunday services. Chances are we're probably not going to be able to have Easter services. Not anything like what we planned anyway. I mean, our team had planned a number of different things. They had planned all kind of uh, worship services and, and ways in which we could celebrate Christ and the resurrection. But all of that has kind of been put on the, on the back burner. And as I began to read the Bible, especially in the areas of Passover, I came across some interesting things that I'll be sharing over this week and the next couple of weeks. But yesterday, last night, we was driving home. We went to our house and was uh, unloading some things, trying to pack some things, and went to see my grandmother. And my youngest daughter, she decided she wanted to ride back with me, Piper. And she's like, Dad, can I ride with you? Can I ride with you? And I said, yeah, sure. Come on, come on. You can jump in. And, you know, she wanted to bring everything with her, man. She had a thing of lemonade. Then she had an ice cream cone. Then she had, you know, her food. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is uh, this like, a, you know, we're going on a picnic or something in the back of my truck. But as we get in, she starts asking me this question, and I bet you've probably had the same question. She says, Dad, when do I get to go back to school? When, when do we get to go back to school? I miss my school. I miss my friends. And I said, baby, you know, I, I really don't know the answer to that question. I, I don't know when we're going to go back to school. And my thought was probably like, I bet there's a lot of moms and dads wondering right now, yeah, when are they going to go back to school? Because it would be a good thing right about now. But then she asked me, she said, well, when can we go back to the Wolf Lodge? It's like a little recreation park, water park in different areas in LaGrange and <clears throat> Gatlinburg. And I said, honey, I, I, I don't know. They're closed right now. They're not open either. She, you know what? You could just hear the disappointment in her voice. She's only five. So to try to break down to her the coronavirus and COVID-19 and masks and gloves and sanitization. I mean, it's, we actually have gotten the hand washing down pretty good. I showed her a video about germs. And so after that, she looks at me and says, 
I got to go wash my hands. So we've actually made some progress in the area of good hygiene at our house. But to answer the question, when's things going to go back to normal, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. I don't think anybody really knows that. I think we can presume. But all of us, I think, have questions right now. And all that was normal just three weeks ago is, is no longer normal. Nothing's normal. And every time I watch, and like right now I'm doing this broadcast to you live from a camera in the church with one, two, three, four, four people in a room field that could potentially hold 600 people or whatever. And there's four, three people in the back in the sound booth. That's all that's here besides me. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody here. And it feels like every time I see the president on TV, it's fewer and fewer people with him. Now, the other day I saw him with, the, with an admiral or someone. That was it. No one is there. No one claps at the end. There's nobody there but a camera and, and someone doing production. And I thought, it reminds me of like the movie Armageddon. I keep waiting for Aerosmith to start singing in a moment. You know, if I close my eyes, whatever. I keep thinking that's going to happen in a moment. It's so weird. It's like the end of the world or something. We're all stuck in our homes. And I don't know, man. You know, what's going to happen today? I bet many of you are either going to watch Armageddon or you're going to flick over to Aerosmith and start playing those songs just, just for fun. But maybe the question right now shouldn't be when do we get back to normal. Here's the thought I had. Is it really normal? Like what we were doing three weeks ago, is that really normal? Because i got to be honest with you, I kind of like the pace that has slowed down a little bit. I kind of like the fact that I get to see people I don't usually get to see as much in a sense that they're out walking the, in the subdivision. I see some of our elders live in the same subdivision of Ronnie and Diana. I see them, and I see people out walking. I see people with their families. I see people with their kids. I mean, moms and dads, we're forced to spend more time with our family now than ever before. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. Maybe the normal might be more time with our families <clears throat> or reflecting. Maybe we're seeking God. And so I don't, I don't have all the answers. And here's the thing. I, I believe that the Bible always has the answers. Maybe not the answers to my questions, but it always has the answers. And so today I want to take a look at a couple of thoughts from Israel and they had some of the very same questions. And this is in Exodus. And if you're there, are some of the pre, pre-service conversations. Exodus 12, we're going to go there here in just a moment. So if you want to turn your Bible to that. But Israel had some of the very same questions for God in Egypt. Think about it. They had a new leader, Moses. This guy, Moses, is going to deliver them. They've been in bondage to slavery for 400 plus years. And all of a sudden he says, we're going to get you out of here. You know, God's going to take care of you. You're going to get out of Israel. And they're faced with a new set of challenges that they've never seen before. they were actually given a shelter-in-place mandate as well. They were told to stay in their homes. Stay in your homes. You don't come out until I tell you to, in a sense. But they were given instructions. So let's look at this. I'm going to read this to you. Exodus chapter 12. This was the first Passover recorded in in Scripture. And I'm going to read this, uh, a good bit of Scripture for you here. But just uh, Exodus 12, and let's start in verse 11. And this is what God says. He says, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is, watch this, the Lord's Passover. Now, I know you're not in church right now, but you can look at your family right now beside you. And Pastor Joey likes a little, little comment every now and then. But you can look at your family, look at your kids, look at somebody beside you and say, it is the Lord's Passover. I know you didn't do it, so I'm going to say it again. Look at your family at home right now. Look off the TV or the screen where you're going to look at somebody and say, it's the Lord's Passover. Make sure they hear you this time. Let them know you're there in the room with them. So it's the Lord's Passover. 
It's important. On the night that I pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Watch this. This is important against all the gods in Egypt. Now, please hear me. When I read this, please don't misinterpret my message today because I don't believe that this sickness or disease, that good people are getting sick. I don't believe it's God doing this, okay? But watch this. In the midst of this, isn't it interesting that everything that we held as normal is gone? All of our movies, entertainment, plays, dramas, theater, product, they're gone. Our stock market, the thing in which we valued so much, is gone. I mean, it's coming back things, but it's up and down. There's no predictability with it right now. It's gone. That's gone. All of our athletics, ESPN guys, it's gone. What are you doing right now, huh? It's gone. Everything that we, that we hold dear, education, everything that we would hold as our pillars in our society, it's gone right now. And I wonder sometimes if it might be one of the things that we could learn from this is that we shouldn't put our faith in those things, but we should put our faith in God. As he's going on to this, he says, I'll execute judgment against the gods of Egypt. Now listen, again, please do not misinterpret my scripture. Some people say, well, this is going on because God's mad at... I, there's good people who are getting sick. I don't think God's mad at the people who are getting sick. But I'll tell you something right now. Good people pay the price for bad decisions in a nation. I'll say it again. Good people pay the price for bad decisions that are made in a nation. Achan made a bad decision in Israel, and it cost the whole quadrant, if you will that was ready for battle because of one person's decisions. Good people pay the price many times for bad decisions in a nation. He goes on to say this. He says, watch this. He says, I want you to know this. I'm going to pass over. But he says, I'll execute this judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord, but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. For seven days, the bread you eat. Now he's going from Passover. He's now going into the the festival of, of unleavened bread. He says, for seven days, you must eat the bread and it must be made without yeast. That means it's not going to taste real good. But on the first day of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your homes. And anyone who eats bread made without yeast during the seven days of the festival shall be cut off from the community of Israel. On the first day of the festival and on again on the seventh day, all the people must observe an official day of holy assembly. No work of any kind can be done on that day except in preparation of food. Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. The bread you eat must be made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day on the first month until the evening of the 21st day of that month. And during those seven days, there must not be any trace of yeast in your homes. Anyone who eats anything made from yeast from this time will be cut off from the community of Israel. These regulations apply both to the foreigners living among you and to the native-born Israelites. During those days, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Wherever you live, eat only bread made without yeast. I mean, do you get the picture? I think he's made it very clear that he wants us to eat and eat bread without yeast. Now, the interesting thing about this, why am I telling you this? What does this have to do with Passover? First of all, in Exodus 12, 11, he says, 
This is the Lord's Passover. I thought about Passover and I thought about how it has nothing to do with us. It is the Lord's. Everything in here, everything in there, and of course this is Old Testament. I understand we're not, we're not participating in Passover in the same way, but we, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But everything in here is all the Lord's doings. It's his instructions. And what that tells me is, first of all, I've got to yield my heart to God. That right now more than ever, I think I've got to yield my heart to God. That I don't get to make the rules. I've never got to make the rules in my relationship with God. And I think for once in the whole world that I've ever seen in my lifetime, there's a world looking around going, I don't know what to do and I don't know what's going on, but obviously I'm not in control. I don't have any control of my life because all of a sudden a virus has scared the whole world into isolation. What does that tell me? I'm not in control. I need to yield my heart to God. I don't get to make the rules. He scheduled this annually. <laughs> they didn't get an excuse for not attending. As a, as a person here in this generation, in this group, you didn't get to say, you know what? I think I'm going to pass this year. I don't think I'm going to attend. It wasn't like that. It was mandated that you attend. And the other thing I think is so awesome, it was open to everyone. Everyone got to attend if they wanted to. The key was if they were willing to submit their hearts to what God asked them to do. In Colossians 2.11, it says this, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. In their day, if you were a non-Israelite, the way to get into the covenant, baby, is, um, I hate to tell you, know, it, the, the procedure had to be done. You understand? It was a painful thing, but it marked them to say that you are now one of us. Jesus says, listen, you don't have to have a physical procedure done now, but a spiritual one must be done. We must yield our hearts to God. And I'm telling you, I'm praying that our nation today will yield our hearts again to God. Romans 10 says it like this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures declare to us, anyone, and that means anybody, anybody, not just Christians, but anybody who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. For they have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. Man, listen, we can yield our hearts to God and we can be saved. The second thing I see from this story is this, that we have to yield our homes. And I'm going to share some things out of this passage over the next week or so. But we've got to yield our homes. This is an interesting thing that is mentioned during the Lord's Passover. From Exodus 12 and verse 14. He says this. That this is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. For seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival remove every trace of yeast from your homes. Man, listen. I got on the phone with my friend in Israel, Ron Silberman, yesterday. It was, it was interesting. I was texting him. I said, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Um, so this whole thing about, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, how does this work in Israel today? What goes on in the feast of Pass- or the, the, the celebration of Passover, the week of Passover? What all is happening during this time? He said, well, today, you know, it's very interesting, Jody. He said, today, the Jews will actually go into their homes before Passover begins, and they will remove all of the yeast from their homes. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a job, man. He said, oh, no, it doesn't stop with that. They actually go into all their homes. Anything that's there that wouldn't be something they normally would have there. In other words, if God was present, 
they say, that's probably not what I should have in my home. They remove it from their home. It's a time of sanctification, a time of holiness before the Lord. The Jewish people do this today, and what they call it is this. They call it the Hametz, and it's, pronounced, it's spelled Shametz. We would say it like this, Shametz, C-H-A-M-E-T-Z, but it's pronounced Hametz. You like that? I broke down some Hebrew pronunciation for you right there. Hametz, you know. So it's called bread or food made with yeast. It's the breads that you love, man. It's like because Honeymoon Bakery is closed right now, that's what they put in all that good stuff. It's sweet breads. It's Dunkin' Donuts. It's Krispy Kreme. Chocolate chip cookies, chocolate cake, chocolate milkshakes, chocolate, anything with chocolate in it. You know what I'm saying? This yeast isn't all this stuff that tastes great. They remove anything in their home that has yeast in it. And they go, and during the time of Passover, they eat the matzah. The matzah bread is about like what I ate a second ago. It's about the tasteless thing you ever had in your life. And it's bread made without yeast, and it's made in about 18 seconds. It's made in a hurry. And listen, our normal has been stopped. And I wonder if it's because God is saying to all of us right now, what would happen if we yield our homes to God again? Listen to me, moms and dads right now. I wonder what would happen if we all yielded our homes again. What if we went through our home right now and we said, is there any hamets in our homes? In other words, is there anything in our home that shouldn't be there? Is there anything in our home that maybe we need to remove? And that's only, it's a personal thing that's between you and God right now, but is there anything that we need to remove? I think that might be what God is doing right now. I think he's asking us to yield our hearts and yield our homes, and, and there's a reason for this. And it's really begun to hit me hard lately, and I begin to thinking about this. There's a reason why God is asking us to prepare now for Passover. We don't celebrate Passover in the sense that they do. We celebrate Jesus and the resurrection. But Passover is the type and the shadow of the resurrection of Christ, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. And the preparation that's going on now of yielding our hearts and yielding our homes, I think there's a reason for it. Um, One of the things I want to say as we close out today is this. I think that God is asking us right now is to prepare ourselves to be ready to yield our hands as well. You know, it's amazing how when things like this happen, you, you tend to go back to that which you know to be what's foundational. You yield your heart to God. I want to I yield my home to you, Lord. I want to be a vessel for you. But, you know, it's amazing how right now in our homes, <clears throat> you can't really get out and do a whole lot of evangelism right now. What you can do is you can prepare. You can prepare and think of how we can serve Jesus once we're able to be released from all this shelter in place that's going on. And think about this for a moment. You know, it was in, in a home that Jesus basically, it was in a home where he celebrated the last Passover. That's where he was at. He was in a, it, was in a home. it was in an upper room. And think about this, where he said, go and prepare a Passover for me. I want to celebrate this with you. It took some time. It took some preparation. It took some, some moments there together where they had to wait on the Lord and do the things which he asked them to do. When he told them to go wait in the upper room, it was a time where they had to wait. They had to be in a home, if you will, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and fill them with power before they could go out and do some things. And maybe what God is doing right now is just saying, listen, I'm pinning you up for a while so that you can get all this stuff off of you that's been surrounding your life for so long so that you can get freed from all of that and be ready to use for my service again. Maybe that's what God 
is doing right now. There's an interesting scripture that we say all the time, but Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. I don't know about you, but right now, the busyness and the craziness of life has slowed down enough to where actually, I feel like I'm getting a little momentum again in my life. I don't feel like I have to run so much. I feel like, man, I feel like I have a little strength again by slowing down. Maybe that's what God is actually doing again right now in our lives. And maybe while we wait, we can prepare our lives again for service to God. I want you to think about that today. Man, what if during this time we did that? What if we, what if we yielded our, our hearts to God again? What if we just turned to God 100% again? What if we went through our homes and, and tried to look around and saw how much of the hamats is in our home? How much yeast? How many things that remind us of the world? How many of the things of the world are filled with our homes in a sense that distracts us from relationship with God? And then, what about our hands? Are we ready to yield our hands to service for God today? Man, I'm thinking about what's going on right now. Do you realize our president is asking for prayer in our nation? Our governors in states, where maybe they would have not asked before, are asking for prayer today. Everybody around the world is reaching out and looking for answers. When I talked to Ron in Israel, he said, Jody, do you realize... Not many places in the planet ask for prayer, especially from their world, their governmental leaders. He said, what a blessing that you guys live in a nation where they actually ask you to pray for them. I thought, what a wonderful thing. But what if God is allowing us to have this time to realign our lives with him? I wonder what he could do with that today. So in your heart and in your life today, here's what I would ask you to do. Seek the Lord. Ask him, God, what are you trying to do right now? Maybe not get the answers to why the virus is here and why this is going on here and why we don't know. I don't. I can't figure out all this stuff. But one thing I can do right now is I can seek the Lord, and I can ask God, "What are you trying to say to me, right now?" One of the things when I talked to Ron, and I'm closing out with this last little little point here. When I talked with Ron, I was so moved by our discussion with him and about Passover and how to prepare for Passover that he agreed to do something with me. So what we're going to do is, starting the week of Passover, we're actually going to go live every night with Ron from Israel live. He and I are going to do a live session with anybody that wants to be a part of that on Facebook, whatever mediums we use there that's live. And we're going to talk about what Passover means in light of Christ and the resurrection Every night for the seven nights of Passover, the week of Passover, we're going to do that live. It'll start April the 8th, so we'll let you know more about that as it's coming. But just yesterday, I just, we just talked. He said, I would love to do that and talk about this with your church. So, man, how exciting is that to have a Jew that is a Christian share about Passover, Pesach, with what it means to us as Jesus followers. And so, man, this is so exciting. I can't wait for that. So listen, today, before you go, I want to pray for you, man. Maybe you joined us at the end of this this time together. Maybe you were here in, in your home and you, you just clicked on. Maybe you just heard me talking about realigning your heart with God or yielding your hearts to God, but right now I want to take a moment to pray for you. Maybe you didn't get a chance to pray this prayer earlier. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're at home and you don't know Christ. Listen to me, sir. If you're listening to me right now and you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, listen, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I don't think this is the end of the world. I really don't. I think there's too many people that need to be saved right now, but sir, can I just be real honest with you? If you listen to me right now, God could do more with your life if you give it to him than you could ever believe or imagine in your own power and strength. Ma'am, listen to me. If you're listening to me right now, you don't know Jesus. No matter how hard you're trying to work to be the best mom you can be for your kids, I'm telling you, mom, God can make you the best mom that you ever thought you could be on your own. 
well above anything you ever thought of on your own. And if you're listening to me as a kid, maybe you're just tuning in and you're checking it out with your parents. If you don't know Jesus, listen to me, man. Samuel was a young man when he started serving the Lord in the temple of God. God can use kids as strong as he can adults. So if you're there with me right now and you're listening, you want to pray this prayer and you want to ask Jesus to be your Savior, I'd ask that you pray with me now and just repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart and I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to save me, Jesus. Dear Lord, I surrender everything to you and I make you my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. God, I ask you to help me live for you and I will follow you. If you will help me, I will follow you all the days of my life. I surrender everything to you, Lord. I surrender my home to you. I surrender my talents to you. And I surrender my heart to you today. In Jesus' name, I make you Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, listen, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. There's some folks on there that's moderating, and they're kind of taking on what's going on there on the screens. You just let them know. There's a link there to our church, some information you can fill out online right there. If you'll do that, we'll help you get started walking with Christ. And although you can't be at the church necessarily, we'll help you get some materials in your hand. We'll get it to your house. We'll send it to you through the Internet or whatever we have to do to help you get started walking with Christ. Man, listen, before we go, we pray this over our church every single week and more than ever right now I think we need this prayer in Numbers the Bible says this in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24 this is a blessing that God commanded Moses to give to Aaron to bless the people of Israel so we declare this over our church every single week and I want to declare this over you right now and over your home the scriptures say this may the Lord bless you and may he keep you may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Man, God bless you. That is our prayer for you. We're praying for you. We love you guys, man. Praying for God's best for you and for your families right now. In Jesus' name, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.